0: Crypto Watch is presented by TheConstantInvestor.com. I'm Alan Kohler, and every day my writing and podcasts put the financial world into context with a focus on the issues that matter. Join us today. It's only a dollar for the first month. And now it's time for this week's Crypto Watch. Alan Kohler here with this week's Crypto Current for The Constant Investor. Today, it's Sebastian Quinn Watson, who's a partner of the blockchain advisory business Blockchain Global. Sebastian splits his time between Australia, Singapore, and the United States, and he's focused on initial coin offerings. Now, there's hundreds and hundreds of ICOs, as they're called, flooding the market every week, with millions of dollars being funneled through them. So I turn to Sebastian to understand how can there be so many, and how many will actually succeed, and really, what's it all about? Here's Sebastian of Blockchain Global. Well, Sebastian... um Uh, Obviously, initial coin offerings or ICOs have taken off. Um, Tell us about the beginning. How did it start? I mean, because obviously it all started with Satoshi Nakamoto and Bitcoin and blockchain back in 2008. But when was, do you you know when the first ICO was, when somebody kind of figured out that what they should do is do an initial coin offering to raise money? Yeah, no,
1: definitely. So that was um, just in the middle of last year, so 2015. Um, and you know, some guys over in, uh, in the US figured out that you know they could actually um, you know build on top of a blockchain, and issue a, a token. Um, people have been I suppose, issuing tokens for mm, three or four years. Um, you know, we've seen some really interesting, unusual tokens issued that have had you know, next to no um, you know, relevance to the actual business that's underlying them. Um, you know, not too long ago, people realised that actually, you know what, we can actually go and sell these things and um, start feeding and incentivising a community, um, you know, and, and actually building out, a you know, quite a unique business model. Um, and so we saw, I think the first idea was, um, you know, the middle of 2016. Um, and what was and, that? You know, it was for, for a very small... Oh, it's, a, it's a great question. It, the name just eluded me, but it was for a very small amount. Um, and then not too long after, we saw... Uh, we saw a, um, you know, two or three million. And we've seen, you know, a couple of two or three million dollar ICOs, and then uh, in the beginning of 2017, um, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the the nascent crypto community from, uh, you know, that have made uh, some speculative money on, on on Bitcoin started, you know, readily uh, realizing that they could actually go and build um, infrastructure that helped support their you know, help support the blockchain um, community and help them, um, you know, grow what, you know, grow the access that they, they would have with their uh, cryptocurrencies and being able to sort of spend it and use it, um, you know, more traditionally. Um, and so, you know, we saw some very interesting uh, you know, fintech applications or blockchain-based fintech applications to help people uh, or help the community move their money and, and start using it more uh, more traditionally so, you know, start using it as a means of exchange and, um, you know, having more people, you know, interact with the, with, uh, with cryptocurrency and fiat. So, you know, you see more exchanges um, launching, you see more uh, you know, sort of people funding um, for you know, credit card style um, cryptocurrencies to allow them to spend their, their cryptocurrencies into, uh, you, know, at, at, you know, all over in retail outlets globally and, and where, you know, the relevant banking licenses would let them. Um, so that, you know, for us was our introduction to the ICO market was through, um you know our our team's are looking for more ways that we could use the bitcoins that we were uh, we were our company was mining um and start using them more readily you know and and more diversely across uh across the market
0: um so I don't understand what what you, what do you mean um so uh, uh, with ICOs are you using bitcoins in some way with for the ICOs
1: so so bitcoin is one of the Major form of currency that is used as a um, point of where we purchase the token, So the the acquisition of the tokens um, would typically come through Bitcoin or another major um, currency, Ethereum. Um, so in that regard, it is sort of used as the means of exchange for purchasing the tokens. Uh, the 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 kind of wider point I was getting at is that um, you know there has at the beginning of this year there you know there was very few ways with which people who held Bitcoin could Actually, spend that Bitcoin in um, a traditional sense. You, know, you, you don't have um, an off-ramp into, uh, you know, if you own your Bitcoin, there was very few opportunities for you to go into a Seven-Eleven or go down to, um, you know, go, go to McDonald's and, and buy, um, you know, your uh, your consumer products with, with Bitcoin. Um, but we've seen that change and change very, very quickly over the course of this year. With um, a lot of the innovation has been happening in um, in blockchain. So, you know, there are opportunities for people who own Bitcoin, Ethereum and other currencies to go and use um, you know, to go and have a credit card that supports their spending habits with that um, you know, we've seen ATMs pop up all over the world that people are able to pull out, um, you know, pull out their Bitcoin and pull out their Ethereum from ATMs a lot of these companies that are delivering those um, those services some of them have, you know raised the, the capital or have incentivized the community to participate on that network by issuing a token and going down an ICO pathway, um, so you know it's sort of virtual in the way, virtual circle in the way that you know people who had that cryptocurrency at the beginning have been spending it to support people who are building infrastructure for them to you know make it more you know accessible. Um, and and through that cycle, through that cycle, it's also seems to um, you know have meant that more people can participate, and you know there's been a boom in the actual yeah you know, I suppose um interest and demand for the for cryptocurrencies generally and, and one of the things that's fueled that is, uh, is the you know is people investing or buying tokens for companies that are um,
0: are growing the network so so uh, the 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 one uh ico that we've had some uh exposure to is is power ledgers p-o-w-r's powers uh because we interviewed Gemma green about that now um from what we understood in that interview the the power tokens were a kind of crowdfunding i mean Gemma didn't like that expression too much i think it was uh but it is the case that the tokens do have a use in uh in in people using their um their platform to trade power um so that there is a you know a sense in a sense buying those power tokens gives you the right in some way to use their to use their platform, so there is a value to them. Is that is that a characteristic of most ICOs that that in a sense they're a uh, they're a crowdfunding process where where the tokens are used as a sort of a pre-sale of the product? I think in
1: certainly in Australia that's been the form with which I suppose at least ASIC has come out and said that they um, you know have taken a very you know very strong view on saying that most ICOs. Look to uh, look, have a look and feel of the crowdfunding, Um, and certainly the they've given guidance on um, you know the regulation that is in that they have that supports that, which is crowdfunding uh, regulation. Um, I suppose globally, I think you know there's still a lot of questions being asked. I think you know a good, high quality well done ICO is has the feature that it is um, selling a token that has uh, value to the user. Um, the person buying it is buying it to actually engage with that ecosystem. So the people buying power tokens are buying them to be able to, you know, trade um, trade power when, you know, when the relevant um, infrastructure is in place, um, you know, in, in, in parts of the world. And I know that people in, you know, Fremantle, for example, can go out and trade power tokens and, you know, be you know, there's projects, you know, in place where that, that is very possible. Um, and certainly, you know, that will only continue to expand. Um, I think, you know one of the accusations or one of the kind of uh, issues that has plagued ICOs um, typically is the fact that how do you differentiate between whether the thing that is being offered is actually being, you know, the token being offered is something that is being offered for, um, you know, how the utility can actually be used, uh, the person purchasing it can actually go and um, interact with, uh, with an ecosystem, whether it's now or, you know, as you mentioned, you know, a pre-sale, uh, sorry, a, you know prepayment in anticipation of a network being available in the not too distant future, um, versus a scenario where, you know, there is very little chance that you know there will be some some ecosystem or some token um, the utility to it, and in fact it's just purely a mechanism for um, for raising funds. And I think that that's something that the you know regulators globally are really trying to pinpoint and. Directly, um, you know, put some bright lines around where, um, you know, where that utility aspect sits, and where you know it becomes very, where an ICO when it becomes just a, not even a crowdfunding, but just becomes a, a you know, a security style, um, you know, capital raising, um, you know, process. And I think um, places like the U.S. and Singapore have been very clear and very articulate. The regulators have been very articulate in, um, you know, pinpointing some very clear. Scenarios where with which um, you know it does where there is utility to it, and it is uh, you know there is a people buying into a, an ecosystem and buying a token that has use, versus they're just buying something that is called a token, but is actually just a security
0: or a share. Yeah. So, um, do you think it's a good idea for people to invest in in an ICO? Has it worked out quite well for the investors in them? Uh, and secondly, is it is it a good idea to invest in one of the smaller cryptocurrencies as opposed to Bitcoin or Ethereum?
1: Yeah, I mean investment's a curious word. I think that in in uh, depending on where you are, we take a strong view that people should be buying tokens because they have value and they want to be using them for the thing with which that company is uh, is opposing. So you know you're buying power tokens with it, with the anticipation of being able to trade. Um, Trade energy. Certainly, I think if you take the, you look at you know the regulated security offerings for ICOs that have happened, um, and the US is a hotbed of um, having excellent and uh, you know well-regulated ICOs. Certainly, those seem to have been um, fairly, I should say, fairly successful. For um, you know, for from from an investor point of view, there's been a you know a a dollar for dollar return. Um, I think the the major twenty, the major twenty. crypto you know currency um you know sort of come through an initial coin offering uh you know up you know multiples on which they were uh, they were sold so you know that speaks to you know a sound investment decision um, you know high, high return on investment uh for those guys i think a lot of hedge funds that are actively participating in that you know and taking that view that they're going and investing in uh, ideas in have done extraordinarily well um you know they're, they're they're typically, sort of looking at five, between 500 and 1500 percent return per annum. Um, so, you know, I think those are uh, you know fairly exceptional. Um, you know, to your point, should it be should it, should people be considering uh, the smaller the smaller non-bitcoin um, you know cryptocurrencies? I think you know, certainly, I think then you should be looking at. Um, the market the, the market is bigger than Bitcoin um you know Bitcoin is Bitcoin is the headline grabbing or it's sort of the pull in but the use case of um, of companies the, the, those that are using blockchain to really come up with some um, incredible innovation and things that will have or companies that will have um, you know will be there in you know two years and five years and 20 years you know long after the, the, the funding that they've uh, they've up for tokens that they've uh, sold, you know, the funding from that runs out, I certainly would say that you will still see um, a substantial number of, you know, very innovative companies that, you know, will stand the test of time as both, uh, you know, futility and I suppose also a uh,
0: an investment proposition. Um, I suppose the question is, how do you choose? I mean, if you're a, um, if you're coming into this, how, how do you go about finding which one to invest in or to, to speculate on, I mean... Yeah. Really? Yeah,
1: it's a great question. I think I think this weekend. I mean, just in terms of numbers, this week we saw a hundred and fifty ICOs come to conclusion, so you know, finish their funding rounds, and we sort of see about thirty to forty are kicking off this week and next week um, globally. You know, we've seen maybe two thousand ICOs um, this year that have either you know have have gone through and finished, or are just about finished by the end of this calendar year. So it is there is an extraordinarily Diverse amount of companies out there, you know, all, all sort of prying for the, for the investment dollar or for the token, uh, you know, token buyer dollar. Um, you know, it, it, it comes back to fairly fairly straightforward principles, in, in terms of how you would pick any business, now, is there an underlying um, business model there? Is there a, um, you know, is the team and the founder, um, you know, credible, and, and is the story that they're or the business plan that they're proposing, you know, being viable? Do they have a track record? Um, you know, all of these things that I think sit within the realm of uh, early stage, you know, early stage in, you know, venture capital style investment. I think the kind of questions that um, you know people ask of, of startups um, you know, are, are sort of the same style of type of uh, rigor that you know investors should be bringing to the ICO space. I think. Yeah, um, you, know, you will, The market has changed extraordinarily fast this year. We've seen people raise a lot of money off nothing more than you know, a slideshow um, or a white paper. Um, but that is changing very quickly. I think there is not. No, I think there is less and less of those companies um, raising the numbers with which they expect or are proposing to raise. So we see, um, you know, seventy-five percent of the ICOs that have occurred in the last quarter only uh 75 have failed to to raise the um the, the proposed minimum that they had set for themselves um for their token sales um and and that probably and that speaks directly to uh i think the, the markets becoming much more rigorous in asking those questions asking very sensible very simple questions is this a sound investment do we see what a future within you know this company's application of blockchain you know, do we believe in that
0: um, you know, yeah, but, but you, Sebastian, you're, you're, but, but, but Sebastian, if if there's 150 concluding this week and another 140 next week, I think that's what you said. I mean, they can't all be yeah, that's right. uh, significant, substantial uh, businesses with good business models. They can't. It can't possibly be. I agree. I 100 I percent
1: agree. I, I, that's exactly what I'm saying. I, I would say that there's you know, a, a huge amount of those. Well, we don't. We don't. Uh, we say no more than we say yes. To, um, you know one investment and two in terms of um, you know when, when we're doing any advisory work um you know there are i think you know you've seen you know, taking a walk down the the the, the sort of shadier side of, of the crypto world you know you've seen um, of the three and a half billion dollars that's been raised or you know sold in tokens this year we've seen 160 million of that that's that stolen so you know those sort of five percent of the funds that have been in you know looked to be invested have been uh, have been scams, or have turned out to be sort of stolen by by hackers or the like um, in in that space. Um, you know, right. The founder Sounds of Ethereum, the second. Yep. So you were saying the,
0: the founder, founder of, the of the Ethereum. Founder,
1: he Ethereum, come out, out and said that you know, 97 or 99% of um, ITO companies companies going down. ITO have sales. Um, and you know that those numbers, you know, uh, speak to the early one, the early stage nature of a lot of the companies, and two, um, I think a propensity for some some teams to not be um, even going in there to actually build a company, but certainly going into uh, you know, exploit uh, a, a market that is you know, very very, um, and not taking the, the, the relevant time to actually ask sensible questions
0: before investing or before spending so money. It- so it's it's a classic bubble, isn't it? I mean, it's it's clearly with all the activity, all the ICOs, the money raising, the scams, and so on. It's 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 kind of similar to what happened in the late 1990s with um, internet companies, surely, with with a similar outcome. Yeah, you I, would think.
1: I think I think there's a, a certainly a, a level of sensibility to that. Um, I think anyone that is anticipating. Um, you know, that that you can have continual, you know, you can be selling or, or raising, you know, $3.5 billion in a year across, um, you know, a 1,000 companies to, to that type of, um, you know, th- with very little diligence being done, that that type of, um, you know, money should be raised in the future. I don't think anyone would expect that to continue. What I think people expect to continue is that there'll be a lot more rigor, um, you know, in place in terms of how this funding, method, you know, how the tokenization and the, uh, businesses that, um, you know, will be truly innovative, you know, the Amazons that come out of the internet bubble, the um, the Googles that come out of these internet bubbles, that those will, you know, there will be some, um, you know, some true innovation there and in that blockchain, the, you know, the blockchain application isn't going anywhere. We're now going to be seeing a lot more, um, you know, a lot more use cases for blockchain um, companies within very traditional, um, you know, within the very traditional world and, you know, things starting to, you know, the blockchain application starting to actually disrupt what is, what is there. And, it, you know, it's fulfilling the expectations that um, I think that, you know, the wilder side of the expectations that people have, um, you know, on the potential for, you know, for blockchain to be, um, you know, a 3.0 version of the internet. Um, and so with that regard, you know, we certainly, we don't, we don't expect there to be a, a mania for, you know, 2018. We expect there to be more sensibility to it. Um, but we're certainly going to see it
0: going way. You mentioned you mentioned that you guys, Blockchain Global, I think, is doing some Bitcoin mining. Where, where do you think that's going? Because clearly, it's getting harder and harder to mine Bitcoins, and it's using consuming more and more electricity. Um, uh, but but on the other hand, the the 21 million Bitcoin limit is projected to be reached in 2140. I mean, that's a long way off. <laughs> 2140. Heavens, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, we're talking. a long way
1: this,
0: off, for an increasingly. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's what's going on with mining, and and uh, I mean, how how sustainable is that? Yes, I mean, certainly, with,
1: there's 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 a lot of different ways now, a lot of different um, incentives or currencies with which uh, you know people who are mining um, you know are rewarded. Bitcoin is obviously the most significant, but there are other examples such as Litecoin and um, and the like that you can utilize depending on the actual hardware that you have, you can actually, you know, switch off and, and mine another style, uh, you know, another another um, cryptocurrency. But speaking more directly just to, to Bitcoin, I think you're right. You know, it is it's incre- increasingly competitive. Um, you know, the rewards are obviously still very much there. You know, the price of Bitcoin is at record highs and uh and so the incentives around supporting the transactions in that network are um, uh, you know are in place um, you see a huge amount of money being poured into you know through capital markets in places like Korea and Japan to go out and fund um, additional mining operations throughout the world so you're seeing I think you're seeing it become much more competitive um, you're seeing a much more you know, you're seeing probably much more efficient um or, Efficiency coming into the market, people who are no longer sort of casually in the back in their backyard, you know in their you know sort of putting it in their uh, in their garage, um, you know a couple of mining units and, and just plugging into energy. I think those types of that type of uh, mining operation is, is going to become less profitable um, and and less relevant you know, to reasons' we spoke on uh, such as the cost of electricity. Um, but really what it does do is it it's, uh, you know there is still incentives in the in the in the market for people to go out there. There's a lot of um, you know, tailwind and, and money supporting um, the expansion of uh, of those mining operations and um, certainly you know it's just pushing it's pushing the infrastructure into places where it's uh, you know, where the lowest cost of electricity, you know, seems to be. So you know, all, all the you know, lowest cost of um, development so places like Iceland, or um, you know, South America, or in uh, in rural China, you're you're sort of seeing um, seeing those those areas expand. And and you know, at the moment, there's, there's still a sufficient reward and sufficient incentive for people to um, to be deploying hardware in those places. Um, so we don't really see that changing. I think you know, if the cost of if the price of Bitcoin, you know, people talk about the intrinsic price of Bitcoin. That you know, if if it drops below a certain point, at what point, you know when would it no longer be an incentive for the current infrastructure to keep mining? And I think, you know, that's uh, still at a a price point um, below $1,000 US for for Bitcoin. And so you can see there is, uh, you know, a fairly large, um, you know, there's a fairly large gap that even, you know, the the Bitcoin price would have to drop substantially to um, warrant people no longer
0: wanting to, uh, to go out and mine. Fascinating. Well, great to talk to you, Sebastian. Thank you. Oh, cheers, Alan. Thanks. That was Sebastian Quinn Watson, a partner of Blockchain Global.